We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When Illinois voters go to the polls to elect a governor, it's likely incumbent J.B. Pritzker will be the Democrat on the ballot. The Republican candidate will almost certainly be a conservative because the most serious contenders in the GOP primary race are just that. This weekend, we talk with the Republican leading the pact so far, Darren Bailey. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Clay County State Senator Darren Bailey has been in the legislature since 2018 and the Senate since last year. He's made headlines by challenging Governor Pritzker's COVID-19 mandate and the lockdowns on schools and businesses. He defied for a brief while a mask mandate for the Illinois House when it met face to face in Springfield. He's championed conservative issues and is decidedly a voice for the Illinois farmer being one himself. He and his wife also founded the Full Armor Christian Academy in Louisville, where they live. Senator Bailey says he wanted to run for governor because of what he calls the state's high reckless taxes and what he describes as a burdensome life in Illinois. We're conducting this uh, interview via Zoom. And Senator Darren Bailey, welcome. It's an honor to be here with you today. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Well, thank you. And uh, well, let's uh, first ask the uh, the most basic of questions when we're talking about a political campaign. So how does a downstate farmer hope to beat a billionaire who has, uh, among other things, helped tech businesses get started in Illinois? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we're, we, we believe that the vast majority of Illinoisans are, are feeling the pressure of, uh, of living in Illinois, uh, you know, with tax situations. People are indeed uh, moving out. It's a little more difficult here than it should be to, you know, to start business. So, so one needs to, you know, stand up and, and speak about those issues and let people know that, uh, you know, there, there could be a, a better way. I mean, that's actually what got us to this uh, forefront of running for state representative. I, I ended up uh, challenging a, a friend of mine that I had helped get into office uh, 14 years earlier uh, because he supported the uh, 20, you know, the 2018 budget, the tax increase of 32%. And, and in Southeast Illinois, which is interestingly enough, a, a very, one of the most conservative districts in the state, if not the nation, a largest geographical area, the largest geographical representative district in the state. And interestingly enough, the lowest median income 
uh, in the state. So, uh, you know, the people, the, this gentleman kind of lost his way after 14 years. And I, and I simply challenged him by, by at first just educating the people. And as I began to educate them, they began to, you know, kind of join this movement and understand what was going on to take notice. Because let's face it, uh, many of us across Illinois, we, you know, we enjoy life as an American. We enjoy life in Illinois. We, we work hard. We want to enjoy our families. And, um, and, and, and some of those, you know, freedoms are being hindered and, and taken away by, by government. So, so simply by uh, standing up, educating the people, as I believe is government's sole purpose to educate and inform, aside from, you know, an ultimate uh, protection nationwide to the, for the people, uh, we, we're growing this grassroots movement because that's the only reason this, this, this movement that uh, Cindy and I have realized exists all over the state I think is going to far surpass any money that can be spent, any political ideology that can be, uh, you know, raised. I think we saw a glimpse of that. Well, we saw a glimpse of it in 2020 with the defeat of the progressive tax. We saw a glimpse of it just about a month ago with the uh, Virginia election. And we believe that uh, we're going to eventually, Illinois will eclipse all that because uh, we believe people as a whole are, are really tired of a, a one-person essential rule, which Governor Pritzker has certainly emulated. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the taxes, obviously, since that's a central issue, not only for you, but for a lot of people. Um, voters rejected that uh, graduated income tax proposal, but Democrats say the state still has a revenue problem. What do you say when it comes to uh, the state's finances? And thank you for that, because they literally say that. I witnessed it the last two years on the House floor, and I witnessed it this year on the Senate floor. Uh, when, when someone in the state of Illinois, when a, when a government official says that we have a revenue problem, that means the answers to all of our problems are in your pocket. That's exactly what that means. I say we have a spending problem. You know, it's interesting because being a farmer, uh, you know, we're pretty well dependent on, number one, the weather. We are dependent on uh, you know, government trade, you know, to, to determine our, our, our prices and the weather, obviously, to determine our yield. And sometimes uh, under adverse effects, uh, you know, it's quite risky sometimes to be a farmer. We, we do indeed have years where we lose money. And if I were to operate like the Illinois legislator on a year that I lost money, I would simply go to the bank, borrow that money and then say, hey, look, I made money. That's what Illinois government has been doing for over 20 years right now. So uh, I think anyone listening would agree with the common sense idea that we can't spend more than we bring in. It's that simple. So we have got to start this downsizing of government. Government is not the answer. And unfortunately, here in Illinois, I, I will contend that government is not here to, uh, uh, you know, to, to help. Government is here to, to grow bigger. And, uh, and cater to the needs of special interest groups and the career politicians. I think that's our problem. Now, very often when we have this discussion about, uh, about spending, um, the question comes up, where do you cut that spending? Uh, and the corollary, of course, is that there is some recognition that there are people in the state and areas of the state that do need, need help. So where would you start cutting or reduce that spending uh, in, uh, without harming people who shouldn't be harmed? Absolutely. And that's uh, therein lies the quest. I think therein lies the blessing of the fact that, uh, you know, I stepped up to serve 
uh, when people in my district, uh, you know, appreciated the education that we were giving them. I didn't want to be a state representative, didn't want to be a state senator. I'd rather be at home with my family rather than running for a, a governor. But I, I just don't see anyone else out there with the appropriate answers or solutions. So so serving for two years as a state representative, I've seen I've witnessed the waste. A lot of people don't realize it, but in the Senate, one of the one of the roles that is a little different from the House is that, you know, you approve all the appropriations, the bills, you know, of each uh, of the colleges and uh, each of the departments. So so there is indeed uh, we've witnessed the tons of waste. I've talked about a lot of this on my on my Facebook page, Bailey for Illinois. But but interestingly enough, one of the first things that we must do, uh, my credit, my successor into the House, uh, he immediately called for a forensic audit on the uh, on the Illinois uh, budget and he was uh, met with immediate resistance saying well this would take over 10 years and it cost over 250 million dollars now that that therein throws another red flag and suggests we've got a pretty serious problem so coming in as a governor we will enact a what's called a zero based budget uh, we will first and foremost uh, put men and women uh, at the heads of these agencies who, who will have expectations. They'll have the ability to hire and fire, call the shots, make the tough decisions. We'll have a zero-based budget. We will start at ground zero, and each one of the directors of these agencies will then build a budget from the bottom up to show the people, you know, this is where your money is going. And I can assure you there will be a lot of waste uh, that is going to be, number one, uncovered and, and, and obviously unfunded because a lot of people also don't realize that ever since, um, you know, the days of the budgets of Illinois and the first taxes in the late 60s, Illinois just com continually renews the spending and then they add on new spending because it is the mindset of the uh, typical legislator that money is the answer. So, uh, you know, it's uh, just a few short years ago, five years ago, when I got frustrated and started getting engaged with uh, Illinois government. Our budget was $32 billion, and today it's an additional $10 billion on top of that and has been for the last several years. We'll take away unfunded mandates out of our schools. You know, our schools and our communities and our police forces, they're hindered with the state uh, uh, coming in with these ideas. The state will come in with these rules and laws and says, you must do this. You must teach this. You must teach that. And, oh, by the way, we're not going to help fund you to do that. And also, now you have to report on the progress of that. So when that happens, that makes our administration and our cities and our schools and, and the communities uh, top heavy because they have to bring on people to help, uh, uh, you know, report back to the government how all this is working. Uh, that's going to begin to, that's going to begin to chip away at our property taxes. And it's going to allow, our, our, for instance, our local schools and, 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 and local units of government to be able to decide and be accountable to their communities, how they are going to uh, spend their money. So. Uh, you know, those are just a few instances where we're going, we, we've got some plans to begin talking about the pension uh, situation. And that is how we began to rein in government. And pension would be a big ticket item. Uh, but let's face it, there have been attempts at the state level to, you know, to lower pension spending. Um, but those have been met in the courts. And, and so far, none that have would sustain a court challenge has been uh, found. So are there other areas where there can be some specific big ticket changes that you can think of? 
Well, I think the uh, I think the budget and shrinking government and the possibility of uh, shrinking some of these agencies, this is going to be a lot bigger than a lot of people give uh, credence to, uh, uh, you know, pushing out the uh, uh, the funding to some of these unfunded mandates. This is actually going to be, uh, you know, these are quite sizable issues. And, and then we will be able to base essentially reprioritize our spending. Uh, you know, in the, the let's face it, the, the latter years of the Rauner administration, uh, you know, mental health was kind of sacrificed at the result of, of, of a budget impasse, you know, for two years. And, and even in my community and in, in, in southern half of Illinois, uh, people are, you know, they're going without a lot of services. So to your point, uh, sitting down with people, sitting down with the union pensioners, sitting down with the people. We, we don't want to talk about talk to the career politicians. We don't, I don't want to talk about, you know, two union bosses. I want to bring the people in. And that's actually what has allowed us to, to, to have this platform just simply as I learn as a state representative and now as a senator and as I communicate what is going on, uh, people are responding, they're listening, and most importantly, they're getting fed up. So, so yeah, uh, getting people together and start making the cuts, start downsizing, shrinking government, reprioritizing, and let's face it, not all the answers uh, to, to getting Illinois healthy again reside in uh, you know, reside in making cuts. There's a lot of those that's going to be happening, but probably just as equal, and I believe to a larger part, will be attracting industry. You know, a lot of people don't realize workers' compensation insurance. I'm a farmer. I have 15 men and women who work on the farm with me, and I supply workers' comp insurance. If they get hurt on the job, they are compensated. Uh, that insurance is two and a half times higher in Illinois than it is in any state around us. There are many business regulations such as that that we need to become business friendly. When we attract business, anyone in any community can drive around and see the empty buildings that are sitting and existing. We need to figure out ways to fill that, attract business to Illinois. When we attract business, we bring people, we bring jobs, people work, people earn money, they support local business and they pay taxes. That's how we build an economy. Let me ask you about one of the big uh things that affects taxes, and you mentioned property taxes, uh, that's a local government thing. And schools are usually the biggest factor. Um, in fact, let's face it, uh, one of the complaints, even during the, uh, the Rounder administration, was that higher education wasn't, wasn't getting enough money, um, just like mental health. Um, now, there's an evidence-based school funding formula in place. Is that something that you you favor? And if not, what would you want to see in its place? Well, the evidence based, uh, it's interesting because, again, I love the, the phrase that, you know, government is not the answer. Number one and more money is never the answer. Number two, we need we need results based education. Uh, you know, especially in public education, I am a proponent for the voucher system that the money should follow the student competition is good. I served, it's notable to, to, to mention that I served on the North Clay School Board for 17 years from 1995 to 2012, the last 12 of those as the board president. A few years after getting off the board, uh, Cindy and I opened up Full Armor Christian Academy, uh, a private Christian school in Louisville. We have uh, just under 400 students, preschool through high school uh, in, in two locations. So, so we are passionate about education. Uh, we're passionate about our future. 
uh, one has to realize, you know, public or, or private education will never replace public education. We have got to save our failing schools and our inner cities. And, and there is nothing. And then the only way you do that is to create competition. You, you allow parents, to, if, if a school is failing a family or a child, there's no reason in the world that parent shouldn't be able to pull that child out and send them to a different nearby school and, and their tax dollars uh, follow. So, um, so, you know, I think that uh, we just continue to toss money at the problems and that's not working. But now how does that work in areas that of the state where the economy isn't doing well? where you do, in some cases, the property taxes are already way too high, but there's not enough resources for the schools. Competition isn't necessarily going to solve that, will it? Well, that's another element to my campaign is, you know, people are coming out and they're, and they're frustrated about high property taxes and helping people to realize that, you know, we have got to re-engage with local government. Because interestingly enough, there are some people out there that are saying we're going to cut property taxes by 50%. Well, property taxes are paying for obligations. You know, you can't just, if you're going to cut property taxes, well, then you have to make up for it somewhere else. Either that or you're going to be able to close, you're going to start closing schools, libraries, parks, colleges. So to get people to re-engage and, 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 and if some people, who are tired of what's going on to begin to run for, for these school board positions, community park board, uh, you know, uh, library board positions. And, and we have got to start reining in. We've got to start showing up at these meetings and start listening to what's going on. And, and, and yes, it's awesome to have uh, new buildings, new football fields, new basketball courts, but that is, it, that is what is ultimately costing us high property taxes at the, at the sacrifice of good education. I think that our involvement, swift and immediate action can begin to, and, 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 and reforming, letting, you know, returning that control to the local community instead of the state sitting on high and dictating uh, what needs to take place. And, and I mean, all I simply ask is where are we at right now versus where we were 20 years ago? We have a problem and what we've been doing does not work. And we're going to have to re-engage local control and let the people decide for themselves and, and figure this out for their own, as you pointed out, each of these own specific interests throughout the state. We're going to talk a little bit more about local control in just a second. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Louisville State Senator Darren Bailey, a Republican candidate for governor. Let's go to the uh, to the big issue of the last year and a half, and that is... Uh, that is the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, which has been or sparked a debate over local control, among other things. What do you believe J.B. Pritzker has done wrong in leading Illinois through and out of the pandemic? Some people give him high marks for that. Yeah, I think first and foremost, the failure to uh, to enact government as our Constitution requires uh, to, to not call the General Assembly, uh, you know, into place to, to because, you know, it is the General Assembly, it is the legislative body that, uh, that enacts laws. And without the true representation from all over the state meeting, discussing, and coming up with, uh, you know, laws, for instance, or, or answers, uh, that's very dangerous. So for, for uh, J.B. Pritzker to surpass, to, to bypass that, I mean, it's, it's concerning. Uh, so yeah, last, uh, last July, 
Uh, well, last May, actually, I indeed uh, sat and I waited and tried to figure out what could be done. I ended up filing a lawsuit against him. Uh, we, uh, we won that lawsuit on July 2nd, 2020. That lawsuit was based on uh, you know, several principles. First and foremost, the Illinois Emergency Management Agency Act, an act that was developed in the 70s. But if you were to Google that, print it, and read it, 236 pages, you would think that that act was literally developed in the midst of the beginning you know, for, for COVID. It's pretty amazing. And it says that a government, a governor can, can enact a, you know, a, 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 pand, a, a pandemic, he can he can call for an emergency proclamation. That's the word. But yet he has 30 days to act. And specifically that therein he must engage the legislator uh, for any more uh, you know, work. It, this act also calls for each individual counties, the health departments, again, local control to decide what is best for their communities. And, and unfortunately, here we are a year and a half later. And, uh, and I will argue that even though, uh, the, you know, we're hearing uh, some high marks, I will, I will argue that. I believe that's uh, waning because uh, parents are ready for their kids to be educated properly. We, I mean, oh, wow, we've lost a whole year. Some of these children have lost drastically over, uh, over not being, you know, in-person education over the last year. It's cost us. And, and uh, you know, part of another aspect of this lawsuit was uh, back in the 1918 with the yellow fever epidemic that hit Chicago and the city of Chicago at that point in time issued a, a mandatory quarantine to everybody in the city. And one person, one person, one lady stepped up, filed the lawsuit. It went to the United States Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court said, hey, this is American. You can't do that. Government's job is to educate and inform, not to lock down, shut, shut down as, as uh, J.B. Pritzker has uh, has uh, has been performing now we should point out though that uh, while you did uh win your lawsuit on one level on appeal it the, the lawsuit was was tossed out uh and and that is where we are today i mean that the that the government's governor's actions have been have been upheld by the ultimate court in this um are at this point, with the situation where it is, and frankly, cases are again rising. People are kids are back in the schools. There are varying rules for having them there. But are you satisfied with where things are now? Well, and let me back up just a minute, because the case indeed has never been overturned and it's never been dismissed. Uh, right. The only action that's been taking and not even regarding the case, but regarding the circumstances is a little over a year ago, the second appellate court uh, ruled on a completely different lawsuit that the, that the governor could indeed enact as many executive orders as he wanted. So at that point in time, I had two choices. I could file to hold the governor in contempt for not listening to the uh, uh, Clay County Circuit Clerk judge, or I could appeal this decision. But here's the deal. There are no, there is no enforcement in the governor's orders, none whatsoever from the state. All of the enforcement, again, comes from local control. If the local, the local school board, seven members of that board have the ability, uh, legal responsibility to enact whatever it is that they want. If they want their children to wear masks, wear masks. If they want to be mask optional, mask optional. And so it is with the local communities, with the restaurants and the enforcement of, uh, of some of the things taking place in local business. It is indeed the counties 
and the local communities that are able and have enacted, you know, some enforcement, not the governor. He has no zero, not one instance is there of, of any enforcement mechanism on a state authorized governor's mandate. And that being said, uh, gosh, we're, we're Americans. Again, we have a representative body called House representatives and called senators. It is up to them to come together and to enact whatever laws, whatever changes should be needed to, to allow one person, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we shrugged that off about 250 years ago to allow one person to do what this man's done and just simply comply and lay down, I believe is, is a, you know, a danger to our constitutional Republic. So, so I prefer local control. I prefer that, uh, you know, government educate, government inform. We use that. We have, we have everything we need at our resources. We have the Illinois department of public health. We have our public department, health departments in our, our counties. And, and, uh, and they are the ones that, uh, you know, do the work. And then we as communities decide uh, how we're going to go about to handling this. But when we're talking about health, are there not some occasions when, especially in an atmosphere like we've had in this country, where some things have become very political? And for example, you know, what's going on in Florida and Texas, where it, it almost doesn't matter what science says on either side. If one side says we're going to do this, the other side immediately says, no, you're not. Uh, in that case, don't there have to be some provisions that say, health comes first. We have to keep our kids alive, which is what the governor some uh, very often says when asked about this kind of thing. Yeah, again, uh, you know, a constitutional republic, a free land. What does that mean? We have elected representatives and, uh, and it is vital that they meet. And, and, and there's been utter failure on the governor to call for that. There's actually been utter failure on House and Senate leadership to bring that together and to stand up, you know, basically for the people. So, no, I'll I'll stand for freedom any day. And uh, I just I don't believe that one person has the ability, the judgment to to sit here and, and, and dictate as as has been done. Uh, let me hit on a couple of other issues with a couple with a few minutes that we have left. Uh, first off, what other major issues do you think need to be addressed in this campaign? Just a uh, we don't want to go too deep into them because I want to have at least one more question after this. But uh, yes, what other issues need to be highlighted during this campaign? Absolutely. I can nail that pretty quickly. We obviously we've got to address our taxes. We've got to bring business into Illinois. Uh, I believe we've got to defend instead of defund our police. When I'm in the south side and the west side of Chicago areas, uh, we are meeting people all the time, especially in the churches that are frustrated that they have to get on buses and, and ride for 15, 20, 30 minutes to a pharmacy, to a grocery store. They want, they want business in their local communities, yet people don't feel safe. You know, business owners aren't going to open up. We've got to obviously our educational process has been hijacked. We have to free our schools of these ridiculous uh, education and curriculums that have been introduced this year. And, and then, you know, uh, one of the, another pillar we've got to, uh, I believe that the government should not be paying for 45,000 plus abortions each year. We've got to end taxpayer funded abortion. And I think when we begin to do some of that and, and clean things up morally and fiscally in Illinois, I think we're going to shine. Now, let me ask you about the fields that you're running in right now. Um, Besides yourself, Gary Rabin, Paul Schimpf, and Jesse Sullivan are the other three major GOP candidates right now. 
how do you, they're all conservative. Uh, how do you keep voters from thinking Tweedledum, Tweedledee, Tweedledoo, and, and so far? I mean, how, how, are, how is anyone to rise above that? Absolutely. Uh, we've been blessed since the lawsuit uh, to be, uh, ever since July of last year, to be invited to, throughout the state, especially in Chicago at the, at the Bean, at the Thompson Center, at Wheat, Naperville, just many of the areas speaking for open the school, open, open business rallies. People saw that they had someone standing up for them. And, and uh, that's, that's where this movement we have created, we, we've got the grassroots movement, my donations, uh, as far as the, uh, you know, the, the in Illinois do voter donations are double at least what anybody else's is our, our camp, we've got our campaign, this grassroots movement is, is amazing. Uh, so, you know, uh, Gary and Paul are, are, are good men. And yes, they are conservative. Uh, we, you know, the, um, we've got good people running, but uh, baileyforillinois.com, our webpage, our, our Facebook page, I'm on every day educating and forming uh, uh, the people of Illinois. And I think that at the end of the day, they've grown to respect that. And, uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, our, uh, our grassroots effort, I personally believe, is going to eclipse uh, that of Virginia, what took place in Virginia, because uh, people are tired and people are ready for change. Do you reconsider things if because there's now speculation that uh, Congressman Rodney Davis uh, may get into this race? He's certainly thinking about it. Do you think about things again if he does decide to uh, to run for this? No, nah, we're all in the people we have. We've got the movement. There's been several polls that have been conducted. Uh, we've essentially got the numbers to win the, uh, the primary. You know, the message with that should be concerning that uh, that if a politician somewhere throughout the state can't win their own district and, and believes that they need to move, you know, uh, it, maybe it's time you know, to go back into the private sector and get back to work, because that's that's the true message. I am so tired of these these career politicians and I'll I'll call it out as it is. But, hey. I don't, uh, if he wants to join, join the, the more the merrier. That's just going to make it easier for us. So, Well, thank you very much. That is State Senator and GOP gubernatorial hopeful Darren Bailey. Thanks for spending the time with us. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.